Welcome to church. Um, <laughs> this morning we will be in the book of Genesis, Genesis 6, uh, 9 through 22. Genesis 6, uh, 9 through 22. We are in the third week of our series, Pop Goes the Bible, and we're talking about how the Bible uh, is engaged by pop culture in movies and in songs, and we're trying to engage with these types of things to see, hey, what can we learn um, from uh, pop culture, and how has it been influenced by the Bible, and how can we make sure that we get the accurate story, not the um, Evan Almighty portrayal with Steve Carell, not probably his finest movie, but nonetheless, it was quite funny. Um, How do we get an accurate picture of what the Bible is all about? Genesis 6, 9 through 22. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time. Notice, they didn't say perfect. He was blameless among the people of his time, and the people were really, really bad. Anyway, And he walked faithfully with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I'm surely going to destroy both them and the earth, so make yourself an ark of cypress, or your translation might say gopher wood, not quite sure what that wood is, make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you are to build it. The ark is to be 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide, and 30 cubits high. Make a roof for it, leaving below the roof and opening one cubit high all around. Put a door in the side of the ark and make it lower, make, and make lower middle and upper decks. I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens. Every creature that has breath in it, everything on earth will perish. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter into the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. You are to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you, two of every kind of bird, of every kind of animal, and of every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. You are to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and store it away as food for you and for them. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. There's an outline in your bulletin if you'd like to follow along. The Ten Commandments. Charlton Heston stands up and says, Let my people go. It's a fantastic Uh, epic story of Moses and the freedom of 
the people. The prince of Egypt, the animated version of that same story. The Passion of Christ by Mel Gibson, one of the highest grossing R-rated films in the history of films. The Bible series that we had a couple years ago and several remakes of Noah, including Evan Almighty, and also uh, there was a remake with Russell Crowe, which I was going to show, and it's just all kinds of weird, so I didn't, I didn't show that clip. There's like rock monsters, and I don't know. Anyway, Hollywood seems to be fascinated with the Bible. Which is an interesting concept for a town that seems to not really want to have anything to do with God or specifically with Jesus. This, this multi-million dollar industry that by and large comes out of this very secularized town called Hollywood has this interest in the Bible, this ongoing interest with the stories in the Bible. And here's why I think there's an interest in the Bible. Because the Bible is filled with movie-worthy stories. It's filled with movie-worthy stories. If you go through the Bible, whether it's Noah, or whether it's Jonah, or whether it's Jesus and all the miracles that he performed, or maybe it's the book of Acts, the birth of the church. I mean, there are story after story after story that should be and could be made into an epic film. Stories about resurrection. Stories about redemption. Stories about hope. Often the characters in the Bible are the ones you would least expect to be the hero. And as we talked about last week, they become the hero. And so the the Bible is just filled with these movie-worthy stories. And one of these stories that is going to be retold, I'm sure, again and again and again, even in popular culture, is the story we're looking at today. The story of Noah and the ark. And although there is a great conversation around Noah and his family and their faithfulness, they're not the central character, they're not the central feature in this story. The central feature in this story actually is not a person, but a thing. And that thing is the ark. The central feature in the Noah story is the ark. Let's talk about the ark for a few minutes. The dimensions of the ark. It's about 50 feet high, right? A little higher than our ceiling here. 50 feet high. It was about 500 feet long. So it was longer than a football field, about a football field and a half. Okay. So it was a very long, um, uh, uh, um, boat and it was 85 feet wide. So it was extremely wide out to the parking lot, right? It was very, very wide. Um, and he said, build this uh, 500 foot long, 50 foot high, 80 foot, 85 feet wide boat, and you're going to fill it with all of these animals. He gave specific descriptions saying, hey, you're going to have three levels on this thing. You're going to have compartments in this thing. You're going to build it to all these specifications for me. So go and build this ark. There's been several interesting things that have been studied uh, about the ark. Um, we're going to go through those today because we want to learn what we can learn about the story. What can we learn about the ark? So three things that the ark provided. Three things that the ark provided. 
this 50 foot high, 500 feet long, 85 feet wide boat. What did it provide? Number one, it provided protection from the storm. Protection from the storm. For 40 days and for 40 nights, there was rain. It says that water came up from the surface of the earth and water poured down from the heavens of the earth, the sky of the earth for 40 days and for 40 nights. One of the prayer requests this morning was for those who survived Hurricane Florence, correct? Now, Hurricane Florence rolled through in a few days, right? There's going to be lots of cleanup efforts for probably, oh, more than a year. If you remember Hurricane Katrina, uh, it wiped out entire neighborhoods and affected um, several places for years and years and years. But those are minor compared to this, right? 40 days and 40 nights... In a storm. Can you imagine if all the water in Yellowstone erupted at the same time while a heavy torrential rain began to pour for 40 days, 40 nights, suddenly cities started getting filled up, suddenly towns started getting filled up, the waves started getting bigger, and the storm was massive. Massive. There's a, there's a canopy theory. Uh, that states that at this time, it was a really interesting theory, that at this time, it could have been that the earth was surrounded by this, uh, by this layer uh, of moisture that was keeping everything in, in great balance. It, it provides some context for why could people live for 500, 800 years, if you look back in the passage before that. Why could animals survive for very long? How did people live that long? How were, how were things so healthy and, and strong? And there's a theory that there was this canopy around the earth and that in the fall even creation was broken and especially in this moment that the canopy possibly fell down and and covered the surface of the earth it's an interesting theory it may provide us answers to why there are um, sea creatures up on top of mountains fossilized right and there's other there's other possibilities to that but there is an interesting thought here if the world is covered in water and the swimming things are everywhere. Where can you find their bones? Everywhere. It's very interesting, right? And regardless of whether this theory is true or not, whether it's accurate or not, we can, we can dialogue about that. But what we can all agree on is that this was catastrophic. This was absolutely catastrophic for the world. And the first thing that the ark provided was protection from this Storm that as the wind and the waters and, and the clouds and the lightning and the thunder as it all rocked the boat, that inside of the boat there was protection. Everybody that was outside the boat was unprotected and eventually died. But everyone that was inside the boat, every animal, every person, every living thing was protected from the storm. I don't know if you've got storms in your life, but sometimes it feels like you need a little bit of protection. Anybody else? Like, like there's just all these things around that want to kill you. There's all these things around that want to tear you down and rip apart your family and rip apart you. 
There's these lies that work their way into your head and into your heart that tell you you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you don't have what it takes, and there are storms that constantly bombard us. And we need protection from the storm. And the first thing that the ark provided for these animals and for Noah and his family was protection from the storm. Number two, it provided life for those inside. Life for those inside. See, it protected them from the storm, but it also, in a very tangible way, um, provided life. Everything outside of the boat was what? Eventually. Dead. Unless it was swimming around, it had gills, and it could survive that. It was dead, correct? So everything in the boat is alive. Everything other than water creatures are dead outside. There's this stark picture of life and death being, being um, described here. That the ark symbolizes Life and and it's such an interesting story that even non Christians study it. Uh, there was a group of master students in 2014 from the Department of Physics and Astronomy at Leicester University in England who did a study on would the ark have floated with that many animals in it? Okay, this was like their most serious work that they did in their master's degree. I'm sure. <clears throat> what they did was they estimated that there would have been about 35,000 species of animals necessary for the life that we now currently see, and that if they were paired up, there would need to be about 70,000 creatures on this boat. 70,000 creatures on the boat. And you go, man, that's that's a big boat, but could it hold all that weight? And so these uh, physics and astronomy uh, students studied this. They calculated out uh, various algorithms about um, the, the density of water and the density of the wood and the width and the height and everything they took into account. And they said at the end of it, yes, we actually think, whether we believe in the story or not, that the ark could have held somewhere in the region of 70,000 critters, Noah and his family, and the food necessary for that trip. Somebody asked me before the service, did they, did they get to fish on the boat? Of course, it's not in here, but we can just assume, because Jesus loves fishing, that they got to fish. I'm just, I'm just putting that out there. Of course they did. It's not in there. But Jesus loves fishing. Right? Okay. All right. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) And what's interesting about this is is that even non-Christians would say, yes, life could survive inside a boat like that. If, if If the earth was covered in water, and if there was proper preparation, and there was adequate space, and there was adequate sustenance, that life could survive in the ark. And that is just phenomenal to think about. Life surviving in the ark. Think of the implications of this. Think about how noisy that place was. Can you think about this? 
So, so 40 days, 40 nights, it rains. But 150 days, they say that, that, that the waters had covered the earth. And then it's got to recede. So they're on there for a while, okay? Like we're talking two to 300 days. It's almost a year. With 70,000 animals. Can you imagine the sounds and the smells that you're living with, right? But the beauty of this is the sounds and the smells indicate something. They indicate what? Life. Everything else is dead. Every other human being, every other animal that's walking on the earth, they're dead, dead, dead. They're not making noise. They're not making smells. They're not making nothing. But on the boat, there's life. The boat is alive. And it's not just alive for now. Here, here's the craziest part of this story. It provides life for the future. That's the third thing that the ark provides. It's providing life for the future. Why were there two animals of each kind? I know this isn't popular thinking, but the dude and the girl, they make babies. It's amazing. It's, it's like, I don't know, it's a little confusing sometimes, I guess, in this world we live in. But that's how babies are made. Any kids in the room? Don't go ask your kid parents later. Okay. Um, and, um, and there's life for the future. If there's, if there's not two animals of every kind, if there's not the male and the female of every kind, there's not life for the future. Do you understand this? It's incredible implications. I was reading a, a theologian this week who said, listen, we need to understand that this is the second most important moment in the history of the world. Without first creation, there would be no life, there would be no earth, there would be nothing that we know, right? And without this moment, we wouldn't be here. We would not be sitting here in this moment right now without this moment happening. There's lots of stories in this Bible that could have happened, could have not happened, and it doesn't really implicate your life right now. Things that happen, people made decisions that doesn't implicate your life directly right now. What Noah did, and what his family did, and the fact that that ark held life on the boat, provided you life. Provided you life. Provided me life. In a very, very technical sense, we could say that without this ark, you and I would never have breathed. We would have never breathed the air that we're breathing right now. We would have never seen the future of humanity. We would have never seen what could unfold in God's good creation. And so it provided life for the future. It was a safe place. It was a place filled with life. And it was a place that was giving life to the future. Um, with our time remaining, um, I want to focus on two modern day examples of the ark. First, and I'm just going to touch on this and then I'm going to, I want you to think through the implications of this, but um, your home should be an ark. Your home, this isn't even in the notes, your home should be an ark. Okay? Your home should be a safe place filled with life and providing life for the future. It should be a place that is light and life for all those who enter it. It should be a place where you're thinking about the future, about the impact that you're having, about the legacy that you're leaving. Your home should be a modern day 
ark. And I, w- I want you to think through the implications of that this week. But I, I want to spend our time together um, talking about a second implication, uh, a second day picture. And the second picture is this. We need to see the ark as a picture of the modern day church. The modern day church. You didn't know this, but this morning you came to the ark. You got on the ark this morning when we gathered in here today. Famous theologian A.W. Tozer uh, talks about the ark analogy. And he says this, as the ark of Noah floated on the waters out on the waters and continue and and contained all who would be saved so the church floats on the water of the world and contains all those who will be saved see the church is a modern day metaphor of the ark a safe place that is filled with life and that provides life for the future And I want to get really specific for us as a church family. If you're a visitor here, I'm so glad you're here. Um, You're going to get a little uh, insider information here in the next five to ten minutes about our church, about what season of life we're in, and kind of where we're going. Because I thought, what what a perfect morning for us to to kind of lean into this idea of what do we need as an ark, right? Um, what do we need as an ark? I, I really believe um, that as a church, we're not a building, we're not a place, we're a family. That's what I believe. I believe that we're a family, brothers and sisters and uncles and aunts and grandpas and grandmas, and that we just we just love each other and care for each other, and we function like a family, and sometimes we're more functional, sometimes we're more dysfunctional, and we just try to we make it happen, right? I love thinking of the church like that. And so I want to give you a glimpse into uh, what's going on with our family now and some specific needs for our Big Sky Christian Fellowship arc in this season. Number one, um, we need prayers for protection and guidance. We need prayers for protection and guidance. A couple weeks ago, Alan Johnson, um, who is finishing up uh, his, uh, who knows, I think he's been uh, an elder for like 10 years. He's going to take a little break, and then we're going to recruit him again. He is not here, so he doesn't know that, so just keep that to yourself, all right? Anyway, um, Alan Johnson's phenomenal man, uh, was the chair of our elder board, hired me a couple years back, and um, is just one of the most godly men I know. If you know Alan Johnson, he's one of the most godly people you'll ever meet. Um, he sat with us, and it was his last sort of elders meeting before he takes this break. And he just uh, laid out for us that we need to be praying for protection. Um, we, we looked at this in our last series. Jesus doesn't pray that his disciples get taken out of the world. He prays that God would protect them from the world. Isn't that interesting? He doesn't say, hey, I just want them to escape from all this hard stuff. I, what he says essentially is, I want them to be safe in the midst of the storm. Are you with me? I want them to be safe in the midst of the storm. The storms are coming. They're always going to come. And I want them to be protected in the storm. And as a church, we need prayers of protection and wisdom because there are storms outside. There are storms outside. Uh, if your kids go to that school down there, mine does, one of mine does, and the next one probably will be next year. Um, man, that's a great school, but there are people that do not believe what we believe down there. And, and many of them think you're either ignorant for being here this morning, 
you're simple-minded for being here this morning, or they outright think that what you believe is, is a bad thing for this world. There are folks down there that would just say, the world would be a better place without religion. The world would be a better place without Christians. We live in a, in a world that is increasingly thinking this way. There's a massive uh, amount of growth right now around um, militant atheism, is what people are calling it. Which means um, th- they're saying, hey, we, we want to take a stand to say that religion has called, caused all kinds of bad things in this world. And we'd be better off if we got rid of religion. That's an interesting and scary experiment. Um, uh, Nietzsche said God is dead. And then, he, and then he sort of predicted the rise of communism, which was quite a prediction on his part. Um, and and um, if Nietzsche's right and he says God is dead and our world embraces that, hang on because the storms are going to get real bad. Are you with me? Uh, see, I don't feel this in a real tangible sense. I'm not worried about preaching this morning. Somebody standing up and yelling at me. I mean, I, maybe that'd be fun. We could have a little debate. Be good. Um, uh, but um, but in subtle ways. I think, I think the church is being pushed to the side. It's being said, we don't need this. This is not necessary. It's not important for your life. You just need to be the best you that you can be. You don't need to care about this Jesus guy if he existed. Right? That, that's the kind of, of conversations that are very, very common even within this community. And we need to recognize those as storms. And we need protection from the storm. And one of the best ways that we can do that is to pray. We have committed this year, and we're not done with the year, to listening for the voice of God through prayer and through scripture. And church, we need to pray for protection. You're going to run into moments you're not ready for as a Christian. Many of you will. You don't have the right answer. You don't, you, you don't know what to do in this situation. And I would say one of the first places you should absolutely turn to is prayer. And so we need to be a church that is praying for protection. We need to be praying for our elder board. We need to be praying for all the ministries here. Praying for the worship team as they lead us every Sunday. They are just remarkable. They need your prayers. Our welcome team who needs your prayers to welcome you and help you find a place to call home every single Sunday. Or just sometimes find a seat. That's like in the up season. You're just fine in the seat, right? Um, we need prayers for those who are in the basement right now, who are loving on our kids in the nursery. Prayers for those who are over in base camp, who are taking care of our K through fifth grade right now. We need prayers for our life group leaders. We need prayers for protection and for guidance as God would guide and lead this ark. And even if you're a visitor, man, I would invite you, you can even do this. Maybe you have a great morning and you go, man, I like that church. I'm going to pray for that church. I would love that. Okay. Number two. If you're a visitor, this is going to be a little harder. Uh, Help out in the kids' ministry. Unless you're here for like next week, we quick get you background checked and then we can get you in. But um, we need tangible help in the kids' uh, ministry. So um, uh, many of you know uh, Amber Miller is transitioning out um, as our children's director. She has been a phenomenal asset to us. Um, four years ago when I got here, we didn't even have a kids' ministry. Um, and Al, uh, Alan Johnson's wife, Becky Johnson and Gina Gobb, got together and said, Hey, we, we need to create a, a kids' ministry. And now we have weeks where we have... Somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 kids in base camp some weeks on our up seat, like during the high season. And we'll have 20 kids. There are weeks where we'll have almost 50 kids 
in our kids' ministries. Phenomenal stuff. Right now, there's a whole pile of your children that you're getting a break from, and they're over in base camp, right? And you're just like, this is like a vacation for me, okay? And you've got some kids downstairs, and you're really feeling the same way, right? Um, And we need ongoing help with that, because as Amber transitions out... Um, her, her husband took a job in um, Bozeman. It's really great. We're so excited for them, but we're going to miss them like crazy, and we're not going to be the same without them. Um, but we need some help. We have been looking for a youth and family pastor. Uh, we had two uh, kind of uh, two two intervie- interviews, not kind of. They were interviews this week with two great candidates for the job, and we're narrowing that down. We need prayers for that, um, and it's the first time that we have talked about as a church having a second full time pastoral staff, which is a pretty big step for us. It's a pretty big step for us as a church. Um, here's what I can tell you about the two candidates. They're both great, and and we're going to try to figure out which one is ours this week. Um, but here's what I can tell you with both of them. One of the areas that they were a little nervous about was children's ministry because um, both of them are more what you would call like a, like a, a youth pastor. If, if you're around church and you know what I'm talking about. Like they're, more, they're, they're a little more confident in um, middle school, high school, and, and young adults and that kind of stuff, which is amazing. And it's what we're looking for because we built this, this young kids ministry so well. But at fifth grade, we're saying to them, we've got wildlife and young life. But as a church, we're saying to them, hey, good luck. Have fun. That's essentially what we're saying, right? And we want to say, no, no, no. We want to disciple those kids. We want to partner with families, partner with parents. And we want to disciple our kids. We want to keep them safe in the ark, even though they're in the midst of the storm. Does that make sense? Um, and, and so there's a specific ask that I have for you as we look at these two candidates and, and really as I kind of sort of think out to the future. We need your help. We need your help. Because I don't care if you have kids or not, they're your kids. Those kids over in base camp, they're your kids. Say this with me. They're my kids. Say it out loud. Come on. They're my kids, right? Those kids down in the basement, those kids down in the basement, they are your kids. Say it with me. They're my kids. Ready? One, two, three. They're my kids, right? Some of you are like, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm single. I, I already got through that stage of life. I survived it. No, no, no. Listen, we are a church family. We are, yeah, you're this close? No, you're not. Say it with me, Brett. They're my kids. <laughs> this is about to get really good for you. Okay. Um, so tangibly, here's what we're going to do. Um, this transition is going to be happening. She's going to be done. Amber's going to be done at the end of September here. And um, we anticipate having this person in place October, November. But what I'd love for us to be able to do is to say for the next 60 days, we are covered on Sundays. In, in a real simple, tangible way. That we have two people in the basement for our kids' ministry nursery down there. And we have two people at base camp um, over across the street. And, and here's, here, uh, here's the hard ask for you today. We're, we're going to have um, Amber Miller in the back. She's probably not going to look like Amber Miller. She's probably going to look a little more like Noah. Um, and that's to attract your attention, okay? And there's a, little, there's a little Noah boat out there, and there's a table. And out there, we have all the weekends for the next, for October and November. And, and I want you to sign up. And I want every single slot on there to be full. They are your kids. They are our kids. 
And you can do this. You don't listen. Base camp, let me unpack this. You don't need to teach base camp. We need one lead teacher, but then we need one helper. And the helper just gets to hang and have a lot of fun, okay? Like, they're, they're making uh, cupcakes today. They had, like, chocolate and vanilla and sparkles, which I'm sure is going to go really well. And, and so um, you get to be there, and you get to help out. Or, or you get to go downstairs, and you get to hang out with these beautiful, wonderful, God-created kids. Jesus said, let the little children come unto me, and don't hinder such as these. The, the other part of this is that it, it frees some of you up to actually listen to a sermon. And, and, and I know that some of you are like, I don't want to miss out on a sermon. I, awesome. It's, they're okay at best. You go to other churches, you'll find better. But listen, okay? You can still listen to them on, you, uh, on iTunes. And if everybody pitched in, guess what? You'd have to serve like once every other month. You can give that up. These are your kids. You can give that up. And so I I want you to think about this, and I want you to do more than think about this. I don't want you to go, I'm going home and praying about this. If you've got the time and you've got the energy, we'll provide the training and the tools to make you helpful in this area. And so um, can we just, church, can we do this? Can we do this? Next 60 days, let's make sure we're covered. So that by the end of this week, Amber can look at me and say, hey, guess what? I'm almost done, but we got the next 60 days covered. Can we do that? Okay, there will be a sign-up out there. And then if you're on the email list, you um, will get another follow-up email to say, hey, we, we, we're not missing any time slots because everybody signed up on Sunday. That's what it'll say. Or if there's maybe one or two, it'll say, hey, we need these time slots filled, these dates filled. So take a look at your schedule and say, when can I help out? Uh, last We need a united commitment to the next generation. A united commitment to the next generation. If Noah hadn't built the ark, there would be no life in the future. And if we don't invest in the future of this church, there will be no church. This is rampant in Europe right now. There was no investment in the future of the church. And can I I lean on you a little bit? Like, if you come here and you say, this is about me, and if I don't like the music or the sermon or, listen, um, it is, this is not about you. Can I lean in on that a little bit? Like, if, if, I'm, if I'm teaching you that, that the church is about being a consumer, I have done you a great disservice. The, the world wants you to be a consumer. Jesus calls you to something far greater. He, he, he calls you to being a participant. And he calls you to saying, what can we do for the future of the church? We have to. The time is now for us to invest in the future of the church. This is why this hire is so important for us, for this next generation. We need to get a next generation pastor in place who can think about and spend their time thinking about what do we need for the next generation. I'm coming up on 40 and I'm like, how did I get there? Right? And it's just, it just happened one day, right? And I'm recognizing I'm not the future of the church anymore either. Like, I'm, what I am is kind of like in the middle and moving towards the, the past. And what we need as a church is to commit to the future of the church or church. It will not be here anymore. It will not be here anymore.
We need to be those who say, we want to leave a legacy that outlives us. We want to set a foundation for the future that outlives us. We want to invest in young families, in kids, in what the church can be. Because it's the bride of Christ and it's going to go anyway. So church, let's commit to this. Let's commit to prayer. Let's commit to action. And let's commit to this next generation that we would be a place that is safe, that provides life, and provides life for years and years to come. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this great picture of of you as Savior. Uh, of you as protector. Thank you for giving Noah the instructions to build the ark, to save lives. Thank you that we are a direct result of that. Thank you, God, that it's because of your goodness and your graciousness, even in a wicked and sinful world, that we are even here right now. Thank you that you are graceful. And that your promises last from generation to generation. We thank you for this. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Just like Noah got off the ark and saw a beautiful rainbow, um, so we want to end our service with a beautiful rainbow of a song about God's promises to us and his promises to the church of the future. Let's stand and sing this song together.